Good morning. Today is Monday, July 20th, 2020. I saw a post on Facebook uh, after Shabbos, uh, Matzai Shabbos, late Saturday night, and the post uh, said as follows. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. The post says, a tzaddik, a righteous person, found money in the street after Shabbos, and he contacted me to give it to me for tzedakah, for charity, and I'll be using it to go shopping for a family that is in need. Now, um, I know who this woman is that wrote this post. She is a, a woman, a very righteous and pious woman, who spends most of her time uh, collecting uh, food and money uh, at no cost, uh, uh, no, no expense. She doesn't take anything for it. Um, uh, to, to give to people that are in need. And as you understand, there are many, many people in need. There are many more people in financial need that, that we know about. But um, especially food for Shabbos is very difficult for a lot of people. And this woman, she's an incredible tzedekes, a, a righteous woman. And um, so she's very happy that this tzaddik, this righteous man, found this money and uh, gave it to her to be able to distribute and help other people. And the question I want to ask is, did this tzaddik do the right thing? So first of all, before I go any further, let me just say very clearly, I assume yes. I assume, I assume, because I don't know, I assume yes, he did the right thing. And the reason that I raise this is because it's a teaching moment. So I don't mean in any way to um, criticize uh, this person, neither this man nor this woman, I'm sure they all acted properly, but I wanted just to raise the issue because it's an important issue to discuss with practical ramifications. Um, and that is that some people, if they see money on the street, on the ground, outside, they may have an initial pious idea, idealistic idea for all the right reasons, to give it to tzedakah to give the charity. However, before doing that, it requires some analysis because there is another mitzvah in the Torah that we refer to as hashavas aveda, returning a lost object. And that means that if I find something that has been lost, my first obligation is to try, if possible, to return it to its owner. And that obligation comes before the mitzvah of tzedakah or any other worthwhile purpose that I want to use it for. The first subject that I have to engage is the subject of trying to return it to its owner. That's what the Torah says. Now, this is a very complicated subject. And uh, the short answer to the question is, anytime you find something, ask someone who is an expert in these laws, uh, because it is possible, again, I'm not asserting that to this specific case, I'm sure that these people acted correctly, but it is possible that not only could it not be a mitzvah, it could be an avera, it could be a sin. Now, every object is different, and every situation is different, so let's just discuss 
coins, money, cash. You're walking in the street and you see some money on the ground. The first thing that we have to be aware of in this mitzvah of Hashavas Aveda, trying to return a lost object, is two related concepts. The first concept is, did the owner give up hope of getting his or her object back, his or her money back? We're talking about money. And number two, is there a siman? So the word siman means a mark or a sign, some identifying uh, uh, characteristic by which the owner would be able to identify it as belonging to them. Now, when I say, number one, did the owner give up hope of getting it back, I'm not talking about an emotional uh, feeling. A person can feel bad, a person could be upset, a person could be upset with themselves or angry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, does a person believe based on logic, based on reason, that there is a natural way for them to get it back? Yes, of course. Hashem can do a miracle and anything can be returned. And once in a while you read these stories of an object that was lost for 40 years and then somebody did something and, and they found it. Fine, thank God. Unnatural things out of the ordinary things can occur. But in terms of what is normal and natural, does a person have the realistic belief that they may get their money back? In the question of money, the question becomes, is there a siman? Now, a siman can be many different things. An identifying mark on the object. For example, if there's an object that has my name on it. If it has somebody's name on it, like a wallet that has uh, credit cards with someone's name, so you have a name, so you can look for the person. Usually, money, coins, or bills do not have identifying marks. Just saying that there's a 20 on it is not an identifying mark. It means something that's unique to that object. Of course, it's possible uh, that there could be. Sometimes, um, I believe it's not the right thing, but sometimes a person writes on, let's say, a dollar bill, or there is some kind of um, um, maybe a flaw or a scratch that is uh, identifiable, okay, that's something out of the ordinary. Normally, let's assume for coins or for bills, there is no identifying mark. However, the identifying mark does not have to be the object itself. It could be the way that it is placed. So, for example, the Talmud says that if there are coins that are scattered on the ground, that appears to be random. The person may not have even realized they lost it until it was too late and they gave up hope of getting it back. But what if you come upon a place and you see a, a stack of coins? They're stacked up in a very specific manner. Well, that's not random. That is a, 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 a reasonable sign that somebody put it there for some reason. And that is something to identify. Yes, there's a stack of quarters with uh, 10 quarters in it stacked up behind a pole. That's something that you could identify. Or it could be 
some characteristic that is not the item itself, but where it is. For example, let's say the coin appears somehow to be hidden, as if somebody is coming back to pick it up. So here's the test. It's a very simple test, and that is, let's talk now about the finder. If I find an object, the first requirement that I have is to think through, is it possible for me to return this to its owner? Now, if it is possible for me to try to return it to its owner, then number one, I'm not allowed to keep it for myself. And number two, I'm not allowed to give it tzedakah, to tzedakah because that would be theft. That would be an act of theft. And if I kept it, I would be guilty of theft. If Even if I gave it to tzedakah, the tzedakah, the charity, would be guilty of accepting theft, which they're also not allowed to do. So I have to think through, is there something about this that I can announce, that I can publicize? If there's some characteristic that I would be able to recognize the owner if he or she correctly identifies it, then I have to try to do so. Just as there is a mitzvah to return it to its correct owner, there is also a problem to return it to someone who is not the correct owner. So I've got to be able to have some kind of test or characteristic that will eliminate um, somebody claiming it uh, who is not entitled to it. So just to say, uh, did anybody leave $20 uh, on the corner of, uh, of uh, Netherwood and, and, and Harrow, uh, that's not uh, an appropriate way to deal with it because you'll have a lot of people claiming that they left $20 in that place, hoping to get it back. Rather, you have to have something that you do not announce. How do you announce it? Well, you could announce it in shul, <laughs> if we were in shul, um, or uh, you could use um, what is, in some ways, um, a counterpart to shul, Facebook, <laughs> or Instagram, or you know, social media. You could post it. Or maybe, if it's permitted, I don't know if this is permitted, you could put a sign on a pole. Did somebody lose an amount of money here? If so, contact so-and-so. And then you have to be able to have some characteristic that you do not announce. So when the person calls you, you can say, well, um, where was it left? Or how was it placed? Or can you tell me something that would identify that only the owner would know, in which case you would be able to return it to them. So if there is a siman, some kind of identifying characteristic, it is not permissible for me to keep the object that I found, and it is likewise not permissible for me to give it to tzedakah. If there is no siman, so I'm walking down the street, I see some money, and it's clearly a situation where there's no identifying characteristic at all, then I would be allowed to keep it according to Jewish law, and of course, therefore, I would also be allowed to give it to tzedakah if that's what I wanted to do. Again, I want to make it clear that I am assuming that the person in this Facebook post knows this halacha and acted in accordance with this halacha, and also 
Again, this only applies in the example of money. As I mentioned, every object will have different rules that apply to it. I heard this story from Rabbi Pesach Krohn. There were two brothers living in America and Jewish family, secular Jewish family, and one of the two brothers, he, be, he became a Balchuva, he became religious, and he moved to Israel, and he became a religious Jew. And he tried to convince his brother to do the same. His brother was not interested, his brother was totally secular, his brother was traveling the world, he was um, very involved in Indian philosophy, and he would go to visit his guru in India, and he wanted nothing to do with Judaism, but the religious brother wanted to try to convince his secular brother to become religious, and so he said to him, he said, listen, I'll tell you what, I will pay for you to take a trip to Israel, two weeks in Israel, you could do whatever you want to do, only one condition. At some point during your visit to Israel, you have to attend one class in a yeshiva, in a place of Jewish learning, a place called Eishat Torah. Eishat Torah, you may know, it's in the old city of Yerushalayim. It's a place that is particularly welcoming to people that do not have strong Jewish background. And so he said, if you come to Eishat Torah and you attend one class, that's all you have to do, I'll pay for your entire two-week trip to Israel. So, okay, the brother in India says that's a pretty good deal. What's one class? I could sit through one class. So he comes to Israel. He tours around on his brother's expense. And he comes to Asia Torah for his one class. So he looks at the bulletin board at the list of classes that are being offered. And he sees a list of classes. And he sees one class is called Returning what is lost? So he thinks to himself, oh, lost, lost souls, lost heritage, it's something spiritual. That makes sense. And he goes to this class. He goes into the classroom. He sits down. There are other students there. The teacher comes in. And first the teacher says, if you find coins in the street, when do you return them? If they're scattered, then you do not have to return them. But if they're stacked up, then you have to return them. Then he goes further. What happens if what you find in the street is poppy seeds? So poppy seeds, it depends. If you find poppy seeds on the street, it depends. Are they in a pile or are they scattered? So what's the definition of whether it's considered a pile of poppy seeds or they're scattered? Well, it depends how many poppy seeds are in a certain distance area, how, uh, how many there are. And by this time, this young man has completely fallen asleep, and he sleeps through the rest of the class. Poppy seeds, who, first of all, who's looking for poppy seeds in the street, and who's picking up poppy seeds in the street? He's asleep. Okay, goes back to India. That's the end of the story. It's the end of the story until one month later. One month later, he comes back to Israel on his own. And he comes to see his brother. 
His brother says, what are you doing back here? So he says, I came because of the class that I took. So the religious brother says, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It's my mistake. I should have told you which classes were for beginners, which classes were more advanced. That class was inappropriate. I'm sorry, it was my fault. It was my fault that you went to the wrong class. The man says, it was not the wrong class. He says, I went home back to India and I was walking with my guru. And we're walking from the temple to the dormitory and there's a wallet on the ground. And the guru picks it up and it's filled with money and with identification. And the guru puts it into his pocket and he says whatever the Indian philosophy version of finders keepers, I found that I get to keep it. So this young man says, in Jerusalem, the rabbis are teaching, if I find poppy seeds, I have to measure how spread out they are in order to know whether I have to try to find the owner. That's what I want. I want the morality and the spirituality in the details of Jewish law. This is an area of Jewish law which is very detailed, but it is also an area where those details express an underlying morality and spirituality that applies to every cent, every penny into which we come into contact. My friends, I wish you a great day. Now, if you find something, hopefully you know what to do. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person, but at the right time when it is safe. Have a great day.